Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. We're your hosts, Brad Stahlberg and Steve Magnus. Brad, what's going on today? Today, I am 36 years old. You are getting old, my friend. I am. You know, the alternative to a birthday is always worse, so I'll take it. It is a happy birthday because I'm still still here. That's right. You know, you're four years from the big, big, uh, big day where you get to move up to Masters Championships and take over the world in weightlifting or, or come back to running. So, you know. I don't I'm think excited. either of those things are going to happen, but you never know. Weirder things have happened. Donald Trump was the president of this country for four years. That was pretty weird. <laughs> All right. That means like I got four years to turn Brad from lifter Brad into a uh, master's marathoner. So that's my goal. Here we come. Good luck. All, all right. Well, since it's Brad's birthday, you know what would give him the best birthday present ever? Well, two things. One, if you helped out his good friend, me, and bought do hard things, I know Brad would be thrilled because then then he would not have to listen to me, you know, ask him all the time, how do we get this book out here? What else should I do for promotion? So Right. Don't don't buy my book. Don't wish me happy no. birthday. Don't send me any gifts. Just go buy Do Hard Things and then Steve can finally calm the you know what down on Twitter and we'll all be happy. That's right. And if you want to help Brad personally, yeah, you could buy his books. But I think what would help him the most is if you signed up for Patreon and, you know, join the community because Brad's all about community, as am I. So if you want to join book clubs, we just had a wonderful mastermind group that was on Zoom. And you know what? The best thing about Patreon is it allows us to do these podcasts without ads that sell you the craziest supplements that promise you the world that tell you that if you just buy this weird coffee thing that you're going to have all the energy in the world, we don't have to sell out. We just to get to, you know, pitch our books and our Patreon group. Folgers in your cup. Actually, I don't drink Folgers. Folgers taste like shit, but uh, you can get by with normal coffee and you'll be fine. That's right. So check it out. It's uh, patreon.com slash the growth equation. And now we'll get into our regular show. All right. So today we are talking about the tweet that whenever Steve and I put on the internet, always does well. The Instagram reel, which I've just learned is a thing, always does well, is the 24 to 48 hour rule. And what the 24 to 48 hour rule says is this. After a big win or a hard loss, you give yourself 24 to 48 hours to feel what you're feeling, to celebrate the victory or to grieve the defeat. And then after that allotted time has passed, you get back to doing the work itself. Now, why? Because if you fail, getting back to the work builds your motivation. It gets your mind off of the fact that you failed and redirects it onto the thing itself. If you succeed, getting back to the work humbles you because doing the work is hard. It's a lot easier to think about how great you are than to actually try to become great. So that's the 48-hour rule in a nutshell. Now, what's interesting, and we're going to get into detail, I recently tweeted this, some variation of it, and a former professional mountain biker said, 
I hear you, but one of my biggest regrets from my career was not spending more time enjoying the victories. The sport is too hard not to. And I think that that's a really valid point. So if you win a world championship, do you need to be back in the gym or on the track 48 hours later? No. You know, take a week, two weeks, take a month, I don't know, take half a year. I think there's some real inertia effect and it gets harder to pick things back up after a long layaway. But the point is less the exact timing and more the fact that you want to have boundaries around the highs and lows and always come back to the work. Because on this podcast, we are all about mastery and excellence, which is an inside game. And an inside game means that you don't care about the external stuff as much as you do about the internal. And your joy and your fulfillment should primarily come from the thing itself. Whether that thing is writing, playing basketball, running, being a good leader, closing deals, some combination of all of the above. So this is really about spending less time winning and losing and stewing or riding the highs and more time doing the work. Yeah. And really what happens is if you let it linger, whether that's the success or the hardship of the failure, what you're really doing is training your brain and your mind. You're essentially ingraining how to respond to success and failure. And if we linger too much on the success then what happens is we often get tied towards the outcome. The outcome matters. The outcome is the driver. When I satisfy that, then I feel good about myself. When I don't, I don't feel good about myself. And then on the opposite side, when we let the stress of the loss linger, what happens is we are actually ingraining um, not motivation for the intrinsic reward of it or the internal feeling of joy or whatever of, of the craft, but we're actually often internalizing a, this really sucks. This is a horrible experience. Losing is the worst. And your brain actually goes to think like, oh, how do I avoid this situation in the future? Which isn't to win. The avoidance is often like the fear uh, and the not putting yourself in that position to maybe risk losing. Um, which is a bad thing. So to me, you know, another thing that this really protects against is often in sport, especially we see this mindset of like, oh, if you really feel it and really, you know, go deep into the well of feeling the loss and, you know, being down afterwards and really that shows you care. I think that's a big misnomer. Because it's not saying, oh, don't feel the the hurt, don't feel the experience. It's saying if you live in that and you 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 know occupy that space of loss and frustration and all of that for a long time, it then shifts you in a negative spot. So the reality is we want to get through that and get back to quote unquote normal because normal allows you to get back to enjoying the thing that you know, and the reasons you do it, which is hopefully for mastery of the craft itself. And you don't want to not feel those emotions. So just to be super explicit, it's not like the 10 minute rule or the 10 second rule, because then you're just repressing failure and you're not letting yourself experience the, the hurt and the pain and the sadness that can come with failure. And on the high side, like that professional mountain biker comment did, you got to have some moments of joy. Otherwise, 
eventually you're going to burn out. There's research that shows that one of the key factors of resilience during challenging times is how much you allowed yourself to experience joy during successful times. Now, why is that? Because when shit hits the fan, if you have a foundation of really good memories and good experiences in the sport, in the career, um, in the adventure that you're pursuing, then you can remember those things and that will help get you through. So this isn't about repressing. This isn't, you know, Jocko will, Nick, you got to be disciplined and discipline means you can't get excited when you win. This is simply about trying to keep your nervous system, as Steve said, your brain, but I like to think of it as just the whole system, really focused on the thing itself. So a couple examples. One notable one is the second best basketball shooter of all time, Ray Allen. He's second to Steph Curry. I don't think that's controversial anymore. Uh, He was known for win or loss, regardless of how he performed, he would stay after games and shoot a couple hundred jump shots to refine his mechanics. So he could go 10 for 10 from downtown and light light up the city for 45 points. He's in the gym shooting jump shots after the game. He could go 0 for 10, miss huge shots. He's in the gym shooting jump shots. Now, interestingly, the same Ray Allen in his autobiography mentions that the most despairing day of his life was the day after he won his first championship because he thought that winning the championship would change him and would fulfill him and would make him content. And he woke up and he was just kind of empty. And you know what got Ray Allen feeling good, according to himself in that book? Getting back in the gym. So Now, does that mean that you need to be exactly like Ray Allen? No. Clearly, he's someone that is wired highly for internal drive and mastery. But I think that that theme is true, that it's really good to just do the thing that you like doing and not get too caught up in the external because um, it can leave you feeling empty. Yeah. The way I also like to see this is, as you said, it's not about ignoring the feelings or the pain or what have you after the loss. Way I like to see it is process it so that you can get back to normal. Process doesn't mean ignore, but it means <laughs> being able to sit with that discomfort, to experience it, to navigate through it, and then get to have something in your world that then grounds you back in like, oh, yes, like, sure, this loss hurt or this win didn't fulfill me to the as much as I anticipated. But then I have this thing that grounds me in, in, okay, yeah, this is why I do it. You know, this is why I like to do it, which in Ray Allen's case is return to shooting the hoops. I think and what's interesting is in his book, which is called um, From the Outside, and it's got a long subtitle. Let me pull it up. Here we go. From the Outside, My Journey Through Life in the Game I Love, Ray Allen had a lot of friction with his teammates. He didn't get along well with pretty much anyone. And you hear the same thing, not as frequently, but somewhat frequently about LeBron James. Um, You often hear something similar about J.J. Redick. And these are guys who really love the game and they work really hard and they do get back to doing the work. So they're not out at the bar clubbing after the game and checking out. And... um, I think particularly at the highest levels of performance, these are the people that my guess are like 
from the outside looking in, you're kind of like, oh, what a shame. Like, you can't even have fun. But inside, I think they're so deeply fulfilled because they're doing the thing that they love. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree completely. And I think it comes down to like the different kind of motivational styles, right? Is they are probably on the far right of the bell curve of like experiencing that craftsman or mastery type mindset where doing the activity itself like gives them that that joy, that experience, et cetera. Um, <laughs> so getting back to shooting or practicing or whatever, like that is no different than someone who loves, I don't know, woodwork or has a hobby that uh, whatever it is that they really enjoy, they look forward to it. And it's not a quote unquote stressor, but or a negative stressor. It's more of a positive stressor that kind of fills their cup up instead of, you know, taking it away. Yep, exactly. All right. So, Let's move from um, the kind of higher level understanding of the idea to how to actually practice it. And I think it's really pretty simple, and y'all probably got it by now, but maybe the nuance to add here would be based on the size of the failure or the victory, that time should expand or contract. So small wins and small losses that might be just the 12-hour rule. You know, you sleep on it, you get up the next day and you're back at work. You don't want to let it fester. Whereas a really hard loss or a huge win, you definitely, on, on the case of the win, want to give yourself more than two days to experience the high. But on a really hard loss, maybe you do want to just come back two days later. Now, maybe you're really upset and you give yourself a week. But there is an inertia, as Steve pointed out, like a true in-the-brain neurological inertia Neurons that fire together wire together to spend a lot of time having your neurons fire about something external. And there's a physical inertia to just like getting your butt in the seat and starting on the next article or trying to come up with the next business idea or getting on the track for the next workout. So you don't want to get caught up in that look how great I am or woe is me for too long. Yeah, and I would I would even say it can be less than 12 hours for smaller things. So I'm thinking in athletic sense, like if your work, if a single workout goes bad, then the way I look at it and the way I, I tell athletes is, you know, that's fine. You can be upset. But like as soon as you drive home, when you back enter your house, like you need to let that one go. Right. Because it's like you're going to do a hard workout, you know, in a couple of days or an easy run tomorrow. Like you can't fester on it. And I, I forget where I heard it. But but there was a there was a wonderful interview with a emergency room medicine physician who essentially said his process was he had this walk from uh, the office or the, the ER to his car. And every day he like almost recognized and used that as the trigger of like, hey, I'm on this 10 to 15 minute walk. This is when I need to process what experience what I just experienced. And then when I get in the car, that's my time to almost have that signal of like, okay, I got to move on into this rest mode because I'm going to have to do this again, maybe tomorrow. And although that's like a very constricted or short time, what I think the story points to um, especially is if you can have some sort of process or routine or some sort of signal that tells you 
that is oft, often can be some kind of you know physical constraint, such as moving to your car or what have you, or driving home. Um, that can help. When I'm when I I'm coaching runners, I often tell talk to them about the importance of um, the cool down. Right, you finish your race. You're upset maybe if it didn't go well. Well, don't come over to me and start talking to me about like what went right or what went wrong. Spend your time talking to your teammates, going on your cool down jog to process it both individually and then decompressing with your teammates. And then after that, we can kind of talk about it because likely the cool down, the jog, the talking with your teammates doesn't take away all that stress, but it brings it back down a little bit so that you can then rationally what I'd call like dissect and process it instead of having as much emotional kind of uh, undertones tied to it. And then like once we talk about it, then it's like, okay, you've got, you know, 12, 24 hours, whatever, based on the race to kind of process that. And then we need to get back on to the next workout, the next race, the next whatever have you back to doing that work. But so having some sort of concrete process that allows you to kind of move to the other side of this is really important. Yeah, the psychologist would call it like a transitional item. Um, at least like a developmental psychologist, but um, yeah, something that is a part of your routine that triggers that processing and, and moving on is really important. Um, all right, I mean, I think that that's it. There's no point of belaboring it. It's it's simple but not easy and really effective. Up, oh, Steve is is grabbing for the microphone. Let, let me jump in one more time because I think this is important for sports. Is I don't know if you remember it, but. Earlier this year, or actually at the, you know, the last college football season, there was this big blow up, this viral moment um, where a coach, I think it was from Texas, like exploded on his athletes in the uh, on the bus ride home. Right. And he starts cursing them out and being like, you guys, like, why are you laughing and joking around? Like, you guys should be upset and you should be like frustrated because you know, this is my life. This is your life. It should mean something. You shouldn't be laughing and joking after you lost. And I think <laughs> what we need to recognize is, A, that is the wrong kind of attitude to take because what are you doing if you're saying, hey, you should be miserable? Is you're essentially ingraining, hey, I want you to be stressed and to feel this cortisol and to amplify and ruminate it. Instead of hopefully processing and then moving on into a better emotional psychological state so that you can get back to the work and figure out what went wrong. And then I think as well is one thing that is important is that laughing, talking, joking around with friends, shooting the shit. Those are all ways to, to kind of process and get to this 24 hours or 12 hours or what have you in a not miserable state after a loss. So what I would say there is, again, in the sport world, it's often in certain sports, often it's you almost you're almost told to have that that loss linger. And what we're saying is that backfires. <laughs> so, you know, if you see people processing and laughing and joking, that's probably a good sign. Maybe not immediately after the loss, but by the time they've gone through the locker room, you know, done all everything and then are on the bus ride back to the hotel or home, that's probably a, a good thing, not a bad one. 
Yeah, it's the it's the high school coach that after you lose the regional or state championship or district, whatever, that says, you know, really sit here and feel how much this sucks and feel what this is like so you remember next year. And all the research says that all that's going to do is put you in avoidance mode, which stops you from unleashing your best potential because you're scared to lose. So as Steve said, I think the best advice there is like, this fucking sucks. Like, feel the pain, get through it, and then let's get back to the grind as soon as you know you emotionally process and as soon as you can. And maybe for really driven pushers, the message here is take a little bit less time on the losses and a little bit more time on the wins. It, exactly. I think that's a good caveat because often with pushers, what we have, what we do is we don't celebrate the wins enough. So maybe maybe the lesson is step one is self-awareness of where do you kind of fall? Do you linger with the losses and just move on from the wins too quickly or vice versa? And, uh, you know, understand where you're coming from. All right. So 24 to 48 hour rule. But if you've listened to this podcast closely by now, you know that it's not actually anything special about those particular hours, but it's having some constraints about getting back to the work itself because mastery, excellence, sustainable success is all about being internally driven, doing the thing, not gloating or suffering in the external results of the thing. And the bigger the winner of the loss, perhaps the more time you want to give yourself to process. And um, this is not to say that you shouldn't enjoy the wins and the victories in your life because, of course, you should. Life is really hard, and those wins and victories help you become resilient. It's just that you don't want to get so programmed that you become scared to lose or, on the converse, that you only become driven by some kind of external win. Exactly. So. So that's it. 24, 48 hours, 72 hour rule, one week rule, you name it. Get back to doing the work, pursue mastery, pursue excellence. Uh, Fulfillment is an inside game. All the things that sound cliche in this example actually turn out to be pretty true. So we hope that you found the podcast useful. If you did, uh, please share it with a friend. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe so you get it in your podcast feed every Wednesday. And um, check us out on Instagram at the growth equation at Steve Magnus. And now I've capitulated at Brad Stahlberg. And um, we will catch y'all next week. Thanks for listening to the Growth Equation podcast. Learn more about our work and find show notes at our website, www.thegrowtheq.com. Follow us on Twitter at B. Stahlberg and at Steve Magnus. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, as this goes a long way in helping it reach others.